Series B show hosted by Brandon Jones. This is the Kalana Barfield Brown episode part one. Kalana is the fashion and beauty editor at large for InStyle magazine. You may see her on the Today Show or on the Home Shopping Network or hanging out with Julia Roberts and sleepovers with Jessica Alba and you know Instagramming pics with Gabrielle Union. Um, Kalana in this episode talks about her journey to break into fashion. Uh, moving from you know free internship to editor at large at the magazine, she talks about the intersection of fashion and technology, her fashion inspiration, and how to be fly with fashion. So, hope you enjoy. I have a very special guest on the show today, Miss <laughs> Kalana Barfield. By the way, are we still going Barfield? Barfield Brown. Barfield Brown, recently yes. married. Yes. And expecting. Yes. Phenomenal woman. All exciting things. You know, we go back to Howard University days, which we were talking about. I mean, we started 16 years ago, which oh is, it means we're getting old, but it's all good. <laughs> um, formerly, the title is Editor at Large, Fashion and Beauty in Style Magazine. That's the title now, Fashion, fashion and Beauty Editor at Large at Inside Magazine. Mm-hmm. But the unofficial title is Women Running the Game in the Fashion World, Killing It. <laughs> thank you. Um, so thank you for being on the show. Of course. Number one. Um, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of folks, you know, see the glamour mm-hmm. in what you do. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks, you know, want to do that. Mm-hmm. And they don't really see all the dues that were paid to get to that point. And we, we talked a little bit before we got on the show about mm-hmm. these dudes. Right. So let's start from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. tell folks where you're from. Okay. Um, tell them your your journey, uh, you know, into the fashion world. Mm-hmm. What got you interested in it? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you made the decision that this is what you're going to do. Okay. So I'm from Seattle, Washington, and born and raised. And, um, you know... I've always, always, always loved fashion. And that kind of started from my grandmother. She's, you know, just one of those women who, you know, would never leave the house without her hair done, her nails done, her outfit. You know, she just has always been very polished. She's very old school in that way. You know, Delta, Lynx, like all of that. And she, you know, was the person, when we spent time together, we would go to church and like our, our dates together were going up, you know, Nordstrom or going to, uh, mm. you know, to the Bon Marche, which was a store that used to be in Seattle. And, you know, that was like her, her way of spoiling us, me and my sisters. And so she kind of really, I would say she was, is a person who really she interested. Fly. She was just fly, she you know, fly. she was interested. She's the person who really, you know. I respected and looked up to and admired. She was a principal, um, and I we would go to her school and volunteer. We were, you know, young, and she just always, I just felt like she was just a boss, always mm-hmm. looked good. And so she really is where I kind of was inspired by fashion, but I've always just had a very different sense of style, always, my entire life. My sisters will tell you, you know, when I was younger, like, I would take a shirt and rip it up and make it into something that, you know, to a skirt. Or, you know, if I was in school, if everybody was wearing their nails one way, and mine had to be longer than everybody's and just more dramatic. So it was just something that I've just always kind of loved. And then, you know, when I left to left Seattle to go to D.C., to Howard, I didn't really know what exactly I wanted to major in. So I, you know, the first two years, I just, you know, did all of the prerequisite um, courses. And then I went into 
journalism because I knew I always loved to write and I knew that it was a field that I could go into that was, you know, was pretty general that I could find a job. I knew I could find a and job. you knew you wanted to do something at that point in fashion and journalism? I didn't at the <clears> time. <throat> well, you know what? I knew that I wanted to work in fashion and I knew that that would, my parents, that was a way for me to. <laughs> the happy medium. The happy medium because right. they would, I don't think that they would have ever paid for me to go to, you know, to major in fashion at yep. Howard. You know, they just Understandably wouldn't. so as well. Right. And I get it. Absolutely. And I'm happy that I did it the way that I did. So, you know, I was like, okay. What do I really, really love? I love reading fashion magazines. Um, I get my Vogue every month. I get my InStyle. I get my Glamour. I get my Lucky. Howard you University, know. for folks that don't know, by the way, yeah. is considered to be in the um, in the world of colleges, I would say, one of the more fashionable schools. Absolutely. Probably the top one. Absolutely. Would you argue? Absolutely. No, when I got to Howard, I was like, this is, when I stepped on campus, I was like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. I was inspired by so many of, you know, the girls there and their personal style, you know, depending on where they were from. And I was like, this is it. Like, We're talking 100%. about wearing heels to class. Heels to class. No flats. <laughs> or if they <laughs> are flats, they're going to Walking up heels, or if there are flats, you know, they're going to be something, there's going to be something fabulous about them. You know, just a lot of um, incredible personal style. So I was definitely inspired. Let me ask you a question, even before you continue. Mm -hmm. In fashion, there's a lot of ways you can go. There's Mm -hmm. a piece where you do the designing yourself. Mm -hmm. You actually make clothes. Right. How did you... In that and out of those options. Yeah, I just I knew I didn't want to be a fashion designer, Mm -hmm. but I knew I loved fashion. So I looked at, you know, more I was thinking more of like the stylist route, you know, being someone dressing folks. Dressing folks, you know, or writing about it, you know, writing about the trends, like so that was kind of, you know, the direction that I wanted to go with it. So I majored in journalism and then I minored in fashion merchandising because I still wanted to have, you know, yeah, that experience, put them together. So um, I did that. And um, my first internship was at, you know, at the time, it was so funny, thinking back, I had a boyfriend who was in Seattle. I was doing this long distance relationship and I would go back to Seattle during the summers and I was like, okay, what can I do? For an internship in Seattle, you know, so I did like an internship at the Seattle Times newspaper. I hated that. But in retrospect, I would always, you know, I would have never went back to Seattle for an internship. You know, I would have went straight to New York. If you want to work in fashion, you have to be in New York, period. You need that New York experience. And, you know, I always tell people that now, you know, don't don't cut yourself short. You know, if go where the biggest Go to the biggest, wherever this field dominates, that's where you need to be. You need to get that experience. So if you want to be an actress or an actor, go to L.A., you know. If you want to be in fashion, go to New York and get that experience and don't waste your summers, you know, Interesting. chasing Because being, in, a being boy. in tech, by the way, they say Silicon Valley is where you need to go for tech. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of arguments around <clears throat> whether that's true or mm-hmm. whether, you know. It makes sense to to maybe stay in your region because of a bunch of reasons why, like there's less competition, et cetera, right. et cetera. And I would I would say you would, you would the, all the competition. Argue against that. I would completely argue against that okay. for fashion. I would completely. I, I mean, to yeah. me, going to Seattle, you're doing it at a much smaller scale than if you come to New York. You know, you want to be at the, you know, you want to be where it's popping, and this is where it's you know where fashion is. So you know, I I went to Seattle, did that internship, didn't like newspaper. And so my following year, I it was my senior year, and I had to do internships. It was, you know, one of those things where, you know, obviously my parents had paid for me to go to college, and they want me to step into a job after I graduate with my, my bachelor's degree. They spent thousands of dollars for me to get this mm-hmm. education. But 
there was no way for me to work in the type of job for me to walk into a job. I couldn't just apply for an assistant position at a magazine. They would never hire me. You know, you they want to see what you can do, so they always hire internally. They hire interns or people that they've worked with. So, you know, that was definitely a sacrifice, but I was willing to make that sacrifice because I knew, you know, that I really wanted to work for a fashion magazine. So I moved to New York the next day. Um, after I graduated, I had already come to New York and you know, interview for a few internships positions. And Essence Magazine had this new startup magazine called Suede. And it was a magazine that was geared toward a younger demographic than the average, you know, um, Essence Magazine. And it was such a fly magazine. It was so cool. They were doing big things. The style was so cool and on point. And so I started there as a fashion intern in the fashion closet. This was not a glamorous job. It sounds so good, but it was not glamorous. Was it I, hard to get that gig? It was, you know, it was, I went on my interview. I did two interviews. I came to New York. I did a phone interview, and then I came to New York and did an interview. And they liked me, and I got hired. So, you know. Was there any work you had to show them, or was it based off personality? I think work? it was based off personality. Okay. And I think it was based off passion. You know, I think, I definitely think, you know, when I had that conversation, when I came to they New York. They knew you were serious. They knew I was serious. They knew I was about my business, and they knew you know, if this girl is about to graduate with a bachelor's degree and she's going to come here and make zero money, like literally I made $15 a day and that was a food stipend. That was it. <laughs> they so just gave you $15. <laughs> How does this work? You move to one of the most expensive cities in the world. Yes. You get paid basically nothing. Nothing. How do you evaluate? How do you survive in that environment? So it was all about hustle. I, I lived literally in Harlem on my um, Profite's couch. And I worked a second job in retail after I would get off my job. So say I worked from nine to six, I had a retail job at Club Monaco after I left. So it would be like from six thirty to ten. You know, but I had to do what I had to do. And I was really trying to also prove to my parents, like, I'm gonna do this. Like, trust me on this. This is what I wanna do. I'm gonna make you proud. I know you want me to be walking into a job. I'm gonna have to sacrifice, do an internship, but Watch me do this. So got the internship at Suede, moved here, and started the day after graduation. And, you know, I didn't really know what was going into it, but I was just eager to be in it. I just wanted my foot in the door. And I knew that once I had my foot in the door, I could take it from there. But my job literally consists of, you know, walking to Jacob the jeweler and picking up a sample for uh, picking up jewelry for a photo shoot with a security guard, like, and it would be a hot summer day in New York. So it's like 100 degrees outside. I'm walking, you know, running around, sweating. sweating. I'm in the middle of Times Square. That's where our our offices were. So it was just a hustle. It wasn't, there was nothing about it that was glamorous, Glamorous. except for, you know, being inspired if you love fashion and being around, around fashion, you know, and being around, you know, the, the editor that I worked for, I loved her vision. I loved her, you know, her um, her sense of style. So I was inspired by her. So I just loved to be in it. I remember working that job. One of the, it's so funny, I remember the creative director was moving from Toronto. And he was moving into an apartment. And he the movers were bringing his luggage that day and all of his stuff. And my job was literally to sit 
in his apartment, in the new apartment, and to count all the boxes that came in and make sure his, <laughs> check it off, make sure his couch was there, make sure there were no damages on the couch, make sure his dress, like that was my job. His job and was do whatever. It was do whatever. So it wasn't even that I was working every single day around fashion, but I just wanted to be in the building. Right. So I was like, what do you want me be to do? around this guy. Right. right. Do you want me to make your lunch? What do you want me to do? I'll do whatever. So, you know, I did that. And um, it was, you know, I didn't make any money. It was literally just lunch money, $15 a day. And that was that. So, InStyle called me. I had interviewed for a position, an internship at InStyle while while I while I was at Howard. It was in the spring. I came to New York, did an internship or did an interview for an internship, but I hadn't heard anything. But while I was actually at Suede this summer, after graduating, they called me and offered me an so internship. So was this technically with Suede an internship? Yes. So it was a postgraduate internship. Postgraduate internship. Which is already your parents are like, okay, what's going on? Right. They're like, you're not making any money. We right. just spent a lot of money for you to go to college. And so then InStyle calls you a mm-hmm. couple months into the Suede internship. Yes. A couple months into the Suede internship, and they offer me so an money. internship. Another no internship. No, it was $6 an hour. <laughs> so it was, more than, than it was more than the $15 a day, but it was still $6 an hour. That was how much I made. And, you know, I... InStyle was a magazine that I had loved. I had always had a subscription, and I was top like, ten consumer magazines by sales in the U.S. Absolutely. So I was deal. like, "This is an op- opportunity that you know I can't p- pass up. I'm going." So, so was it? So it was off brand. Yeah. It wasn't like some relationship that you or some loyalty you felt to someone you had met at Suede mm. that made you say, "Maybe this is a place for me," based on like my ability to grow into right. this opportunity. No. For you it was like InStyle's where it's for, at. For me, I felt like InStyle would would I would gain. It was a bigger magazine first and foremost. Suede was a startup magazine, so you know they were still testing the waters. And thankfully, I left because it folded mm. like right after I left. So there were only a few issues, but. You know, it was cool because it was innovative, it was new, it was something different, so it was exciting to be there at that time. But at the end of the day, InStyle was a stable magazine. You made a power move. Made a power move, had to. So I left, went to InStyle, and I remember when I when I interviewed, I wanted to be in the fashion department. That was the department that I wanted to be in. But there were no positions in the fashion department. They offered me what they call a gen- to be a general intern. So I'm basically, I'm basically a floater. So I float between all the various departments. And, you know, I was a little disappointed because I wanted to be in fashion. I wanted right. to be around all the clothes. I wanted to be around all the fashion editors and that I looked up to. And you gave up a fashion gig. And I Even gave though up- it wasn't paid, it was a fashion gig. Right. So now I'm going to be a general intern. And who knows what department I'm going to be in on what day. But whatever. I'm still getting my foot in the door. So it was actually a blessing in disguise because I really got to see what each department did and I got to get experience in all the departments. So one day I would be in the fashion department, the next day I'll be in the art department. So I got to see how the layouts came together and how they designed the pages. I got to be in the photo in the photo department. So I got to go on a shoot and see how the images come together. I got to be in the beauty department. So I got to see, okay, anything about hair, skin, makeup, this is how their stories come together. So it was great blessing because it was really a blessing in disguise because one, I really got to learn the way a magazine works. And two, I was exposed to different editors from each department who got to work with me and I got to meet and I got to show them what I could do and, and how hard of a worker I was. So it was great. How did how did 
you were how much influence did you have over where you spent your time? I didn't really, you know, I really didn't have any. It was really who requested and which department requested a general intern. So every I never knew, you know, where. You didn't even have necessarily a name yet at that point. It was kind of like we need an intern. Yeah, need a body. Exactly, we need a body, and you know they would they would come grab me. So did this internship. I loved it. I had a part-time job, you know, after I left. But I was like, you know, because I didn't have any money at that time and I, you know, my time was limited, I was like, okay, what can I do to make myself stand out? That was something that my dad always used to teach me. He's like, it doesn't matter if you're not the smartest person, you can always outwork someone. That's You have the ability to outwork someone, you know? You might not, you know, know the ins and outs or whatever, but you can always work some work harder like and that's just work ethic period and I was taught that from a very young age about being a hard worker so I was like okay well I know I have to leave to get to my part-time job at seven o'clock every day work starts at 10 o'clock so I'm gonna get to work at seven o'clock before everyone gets there the doors are no one's in no one's at a magazine at 7 a.m no one it's major a, key yeah no one, yeah say. exactly no one's at a magazine so I would get there super super early so that no, anytime Anyone gets there, I'm the first person they see, no matter what. That was it. That was, like, my strategy. Like, I'm going to be the first person there. Wow. I'm going to be walking around. I'm going to be doing stuff. I'm just, you know, going to be there. They're going to remember me from being the first person there. So uh, an assistant in the beauty department went on vacation for two weeks. And so the beauty director at the time needed an, an, an intern to fill in as her assistant for two weeks. So I was like, this is it. Two whole weeks to be this lady's assistant I'm gonna out. I'm shine. just gonna shine. I'm just gonna shine. So I would. I mean, to the point where it was like water on her desk. She was like, "What? Where did this girl planet, come from? What planet are where, you from?" Right. She didn't. She didn't. She'd she never didn't, seen hunger. She like had that. never seen that. You know. And I did everything above and beyond what was expected of me. Everything. Everything over the top. And I also really learned to. I really learned beauty because that was. The department. So I didn't even really, at that time, I thought about fashion, but I didn't really realize beauty was such an industry. Hair, makeup, skin, and it's such a big industry. But I got to learn it, and I got to see all the makeup. I got to, you know, set up products for, you know, shoots. I got to test out products and do all these things for her. But it was incredible. So that was two weeks of just, you know, grinding, 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 and building a relationship with this, you know, very senior editor. Um so that happened, and so I had been, and we had this we had this relationship, and throughout my internship, she would request me to be her intern. So I kind of ended up eventually becoming the beauty intern. So what happened to the person who left? So you mean the person who went on vacation yeah. for? So she was there, but you know, she she, she didn't know. Said, I want you now. Yeah, basically. And so, so how did she? How what, so happen? what happened was. Um, what happened was I stayed in the internship for about a year and then it just got to the point where I was like, I need money. And then I had this boyfriend in Seattle and, you know, now I'm not in college anymore and we're doing long distance. And so I decided to move back to Seattle, Mm. which is crazy. And the plot thickens. Yeah, the plot thickens. So I decided to move back to Seattle and, um, I applied for a job as a buyer at Nordstrom and so I was moving to come to Nordstrom to be an assistant buyer. What percent of that was your boyfriend versus money or other considerations? I would say 50% of it was the boyfriend and the rest was money. Okay. Um, 
and then the rest was just like also you know I had been in this job this internship for a year and I had interviewed for other positions at other magazines nothing was landing and it's so easy to be to get discouraged in New York it is so easy it's saturated there's so many girls who want these jobs and magazines and I just you know I kind of got discouraged or may have money in their pocket right already exactly so So they can survive much you know more easily in New York where I am struggling So I moved back to Seattle and I knew that, you know, I had my parents there and I was going to be walking into this job at Nordstrom and, you know, that would be cool or whatever. So, but I was still really sad to leave New York. Like, I was just like, okay, this was just a chapter of my life. You know, I got this experience, but, you know, I'm moving back to Seattle. So I moved back to Seattle. Two weeks later, I hadn't started and I, you know, I moved back with my mom and my, my parents and I hadn't started my job. I was starting my job like in two weeks. So a week after being there, I get a phone call from the beauty director at InStyle. And she's like, you know, hi, Kalana, it's Amy Sennett. I don't know if I should say her name. Um, <laughs> I get a call from the beauty director it's at InStyle. a good InStyle. call. Why not? Yeah, I get a great call um, from the beauty director at InStyle. And she's like, you know, I'm looking for an assistant. And I wanted to know if you would be interested. And I was like, of course. And it's just, it was so crazy because I remember looking at the caller ID and seeing Time Inc. pop up on the caller ID. I'm like, who is calling me from Time Inc.? And my heart was beating. And I was like, oh my God. I was just so happy and excited, but I didn't know what was going on. So she told me she was looking for an assistant, which was bizarre because I had just left a week ago and you just had an assistant. So I was like, okay. Um... She was like, would you be willing to take a edit? Would you want to take an edit test for the position? So an edit test is a writing test. And I was like, absolutely. So I took the test. I sent it in. I'm waiting. And a week later, they called and offered me the job. And they're like, I mean, I was just like stunned. The Nordstrom's buyer, Nordstrom buyer job starting the next week. Yes. Boyfriend is like, we, we're, we're together now. We're together. You're, right. You're, you're thinking what? I'm thinking... I'm going back to New York. <laughs> the boyfriend is over <laughs> and the buyer job is not happening, you know, and I got to get back to New York. This is a job that I worked so hard in, you know, trying to outwork everyone and really am passionate about. I want to live in New York. I want to get in this industry and this is where I need to be. Period. So basically the lesson from this one is you knew what you wanted mm-hmm. and you were willing to sacrifice for it on a- multiple levels. Absolutely. And I was so it was such a blessing because you know, they, I mean, eventually I found out that she fired her assistant to hire me. And, you know, I just thought that that was an incredible thing, you know, where I left and they're calling me back from Seattle. What are the chances? I'm all the way across the country in Seattle. Work ethic piece. Yeah, it's all about work, work, work ethic. And, you know, when they offered me the job, they bought my, they paid for my flight to move back to New York. They paid my rent. For the first couple of months, like they, you know, really, really made made. They wanted you. They really wanted me, and that was that spoke, you know, to that spoke to the, the company that I was going in. That just it was such a blessing for me, and I was so happy. And validation that your hard work paid off. Absolutely. So I yeah. So then I moved back, and boyfriend was gone. Um, that was done, and it was just like a new life, and that was the beginning of my journey. So I started as my first position at the magazine was beauty assistant. Um, which was incredible. That's when I got to learn everything about the beauty industry. I was able to make relationships with beauty publicists um, and just had such an, you know, really started writing. And it was just such an incredible two years in that position. And then I got promoted um, pretty much every two years I had been promoted. So from beauty assistant to 
assistant beauty editor to beauty editor to senior beauty editor to beauty director, and then now into my role as fashion and beauty editor at large. Reminds me of Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people always say that, and I'm like, you know, it, it, everyone, it, it's a very glamorous job, but it's not as, I think that that was just, a, that was like a fantastical, you know, interpretation of But what. you also have the very extreme boss. Yes. Is the it, is it culture somewhat similar in any way? You know, I think it depends on where, which magazine you're at. I think I've been fortunate to work for a magazine that has really nice people. Um, but, you know, at the same time, the expectation is there for you to work hard. And um, we appreciate you know, girls who come in, girls or guys who come in and work really hard and are dedicated to this craft and really want it and are passionate about it. Um, and I've just seen a shift in the last few years, you know, where things have changed. There's a lot of, you know, people who come in uh, for internships and there's this sense of entitlement. They don't want to work that hard, you know, but my, you know, and I always think about how hard I work. So there's a standard set. So if you're not, you know, matching and you that. Pledged. Yeah. And I pledge. So I, you know, I get it. I get it. So, you know, this is, um, yeah, it's. So you're going to keep the bar high, basically. Um, you're not going to let the bar fall. Never. Um, never. Right. Yeah. So you're here. Mm-hmm. You're here now. Mm-hmm. You've basically kind of been homebred, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. the whole way up. <clears throat> and we talked a little bit before we we got on the, on the podcast about the landscape changing. Mm-hmm. So when you first landed, mm-hmm. social media wasn't really no, the they, platform no, that it is now. And absolutely. you mentioned that there was a little bit of reluctance to even engage in social media for a few reasons. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, when social media really hit, you know, you know, there was Facebook, and I'm not talking about Facebook, but when Twitter and Instagram really, you know, became a big thing, um, there was this, you know, there was this evolution of bloggers, uh, beauty bloggers, fashion bloggers. And I remember there being a lot of, um, you know, I remember a lot of editors like having really a sour taste in our mouths about them because, you know, for us, we're really experts in this field. We've paid our dues. You know, we're meeting with designers. We're meeting with beauty industry executives. We know the science that goes into these skincare products. And, you know, there's a lot of work that we've put into it. And, you know, then we start to see a lot of, you know, bloggers, you know, who just love beauty, love popping makeup, up. popping up like with opinions. Yes, with opinions or, you know, watch my YouTube video while I do my face or t- tell you what I like about this product. And you know, for us it was like, wow, you know, kind of like we're the authority, you know. Uh, we've we've always been the authority and then we you really start to see it become more popular and more popular and more popular and you kind of have to be able to, I think one thing about being in this industry and all industries, you have to kind of ride the wave. If you see that something is, you know, moving in a different direction. Don't be a know, dinosaur. Don't be a dinosaur because you'll get left you behind. Get left you'll behind. get left behind. So now, you know, there's so many girls who want to work in fashion and beauty. And I always say that there's, you know, there's so, it's easier to kind of, you know, to kind of um, make a name for yourself because you have social media. Like, it's it's a big thing now, and it can give you a platform that that you couldn't have had 
you know, when I started out. Um, Also, you know, for me, I always tell people, like, you have, you know, you need to move to New York. You need to move to New York. If you want to work in beauty, you want to work in fashion at a magazine, like, this is where the magazine, this is the headquarters for all big, major fashion and beauty magazines, so you need to be here. Um, And I still believe that to an extent, but I will say that now you can be in Houston and you can be in Seattle and kind of start a blog and really kind of tap into it um, to 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 get your foot in the door. Interesting. So in a lot of ways, it's funny. You talk about your story of work ethic. Mm-hmm. At that point, the game was different when you entered. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds as though with your work ethic now, because mm-hmm. a lot of people look at it like, oh, it's a crowded space. Mm-hmm. How can I make my voice heard? Mm-hmm. When it's so many people, all you have to do is basically like get on your computer and do something. Right. They look at it. From a challenge perspective, you look at it from like with my work ethic, mm-hmm. this actually you know makes it easier for folks to get into the game. Absolutely. So even if let's say you started your career maybe 10, 15 years later, mm-hmm. you may have gone that route. I may have, and you know magazines are still really competitive. You know they're they're really competitive. It's hard to get a position in it, but you know it's one of those things where. You really have to stay the course. Um, you know, I, I've had amazing interns interns that have come and worked really hard and have been really passionate about fashion or beauty. And, you know, after a year of interning, they're like, I can't do this anymore. Kind of what happened to me where I ended up leaving and needing to work. But now my advice would say, stick to it. I would, If I had to do it again, I would have never moved back to Seattle. I would have never done that. I would have just kept on going for it because I know that, in the end, once you land that job, you're going to be happy. I do I do something that I love every single day. I have so many friends who, you know, work jobs that they hate. And so just being able to go to work every single day and loving your job is worth a sacrifice for two to three years if you have to. You know, right. like I, now I would just say stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. And, you know, I think the thing is that it's just competitive and a lot of people don't leave the space. So you kind of have to wait for someone, you know, an editor to leave in order to get a position. A little bit of patience in there. But when you step out of the game, you're not, it's kind of like, um, uh, what is that What is that phrase? Uh, what is that phrase when it's like, you have to be there to, like, it's kind of like you have to be in it, like, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is out of sight, out of mind. You were an amazing intern, but then when you go away, if you've been away for, you know, six months and now a position pops up, I might not remember you. Yep. But if you're still around and you're still around, you're still emailing me, I'm not going to forget about you. And so when something opens up, you're going to be the first person that I think about. Interesting. Yeah. So we talked about landscape change. Um, social media was a big thing. Mm-hmm. In that situation, you ramped up. Mm-hmm. Talk about other any other landscape change that you've seen in your time. So, for example, print mm-hmm. versus online. Mm-hmm. Um, how have... Kind of these dynamics change in a way where you you guys have had to rethink how you engage. Yeah, you know we've it goes hand in hand now. You know when I first started, it was print all day every day. That was the bread and butter. Now it is you know there's a huge digital focus. I think print is still very important, but you know what our clients want they want both both. It's not one or the other. It's both. Um, so it's just important. You know print is just I mean, print. Digital is just important, but now, you know, we have to, as editors, we have to be able to do them both, you know? So our jobs, our responsibility is not just print, I'm print or digital. It's like you have to do both. So I had to learn a whole new, you know, uh, a whole new thing. I had to learn how to, uh, I was used to, you know, being with print, our turnaround time is 
we worked three months in advance. And, you know, I had time to write a story. Now I have to be able to, when I'm writing a story for digital, I have to be able to crank it out much faster. And I have to write a lot more because those stories go up and the next day it's what's the news today, you know? So it's really about, you know, people want instant gratification and it's being able to adjust to that. So that was definitely an adjustment. But I feel like it's a great thing because, you know, this is the future and, it, it's amazing, and I'm happy that people still love a print magazine, and they can flip through the page, pages, and you still want to be able to buy a magazine and newsstand, get on the airport and flip through the pages. But people, there are some people that just don't. They want to look online for their news right. every day, so you have to be able to do them both. So we see right now a lot of intersection and on different levels <clears throat> between fashion and tech. Mm-hmm. I'll just give a couple examples. Okay. Now you see wearables mm-hmm. being incorporated into tech. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm in the valley, and I see smart fabric. Conductive mm-hmm. fabric that allows you to control your devices by mm-hmm. rubbing on your arm sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, even we talked about a birch box, which is not necessarily a tech play, mm-hmm. but it's an e-commerce platform, right? Which definitely intersects tech and fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, are the intersections you've seen? What are you most excited about, or where do you see um, a lot of potential from your perspective? Um, I mean, for us, definitely. Things like the Apple Watch were a big thing, especially when Hermes did their version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got to go high end. You got to go high end. When you're talking fashion. Um, but, you know, even something like the Birchbox, that was so innovative when it came out. I remember, you know, us being one of the first magazines to write about it, and it was so different. It was so cool to, you know, you being able to have a monthly subscription, monthly subscription, pay this certain amount, and every month, uh, you get a box of samples of products and you can test them out. It was just like anyone who loves beauty and loves to go to Sephora and just it's test like things out. It's like Christmas every month. It's like Christmas every month. You know, it was so innovative. So we keep on seeing, you know, the thing is when you come out with an idea like that, you know, you dominate in that category and then it, the competitors, and the competitors start. So now out. it's like how many, how many, you know, beauty <clears throat> boxes are there? But, you know, now you're just seeing these brands thinking outside of the box and trying to think of how they can tap into uh, the tech world. A lot of wearable, a lot of you know, a lot of clothing with SPF sunscreen in it. So it's like you know they're trying to make everything is about everything's about appearance and everything needs to look good and look sexy and you know everything needs to be beautiful. But it's like how can it be double duty? How can you know you have this piece of clothing that does doubles as you know this backpack that turns into a pair of workout <laughs> pants? You know, so it's like you see people coming out with these crazy ideas. Some of them stick and some of them don't. But you know, for us, we want innovation. We want we want you know whatever is going to be able to sit, cut down in time, but also look good. So we're always on the lookout for things like that. Interesting, yeah. interesting. <clears throat> um, let's talk about being fly. Okay. All right. I'm not fly. Okay. Why do you say that? I respect I respect mm-hmm. people that that stay fly because it's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And then once and a you lot set of effort, and a lot of effort. Yeah. And then once you set that bar there, then mm-hmm. people come to expect it. And it's mm-hmm. like, how do you top what you've done? And mm-hmm. I, I took a look at mm-hmm. congratulations on your recent wedding. Thank you. Um, folks need to check out the pics <laughs> if they have it out there. What's your, share your Instagram and your social media. My for Instagram folks. is Kalana Barfield. And then our wedding hashtag was Brooklyn Browns. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of those situations where people, um, Pinterest got a lot of pushback because mm-hmm. when people are planning weddings, they see stuff that they mm-hmm. just couldn't achieve, yeah. yes. and they would never be happy with what they can actually do for their own wedding. Yes. So if you if you have that type of attitude, don't look at Kalana's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But no, so it's phenomenal. So my question for you is, mm-hmm. um, and we can talk about the wedding as well. Mm-hmm. What are, let's say, 80-20 rule? What are the 20% of things for a, a guy or a gal who mm-hmm. wants to be fly? Mm-hmm. What are the most important 20% to focus on that will give you 80% of the benefit? Mm-hmm. Accessories, shoes, um, definitely shoes, I feel like, are you know, for guys and girls are like the, you know, like a number one thing because you could wear something very basic and have a killer shoe or have a fly shoe and it will completely. What's a killer shoe? Killer shoe. Hmm. A killer shoe is like a a stiletto for a girl, a stiletto that has something interesting about it. So it's just not basic. You know, it has to have some type of embellishment. It has to have some type of straps, something that is, you know, that is just a bit more interesting than, you know, what you would see on the average person. How much does brand matter? <sighs> brand when matters. You, when a, you say a killer shoe. Well, to me, saying. you know, brand, I feel like people who have real style can, they're just, they have an eye. So you can, you know, you can shop at any price point. But I definitely, I'm some, I'm someone who really does appreciate quality. You know, that's something that my grandma always taught me, quality over quantity. So it's not expensive for no reason. Yeah. It's because you know, there's some quality in yeah. there. Yeah, and to me, like, I feel like you can invest in, you know, a handful of quality pieces and really be fly instead of, to me, investing in a handful of quality pieces versus, you know, buying a big amount of, you know, inexpensive, very cheap pieces that you'll be able to wear once and then you have to throw away. You know, to me, I feel like that's the route to go. What if you wear something that stands out and so people recognize it and right. they always like, that, she wears that all exactly. the time. That's a good question. Are you sure you don't, you know, you really don't care about fashion? <laughs> um, no, I know this because my wife says, and this is why she doesn't like putting po- pictures on social media because yeah, like, now everybody once sees you put it, it, it you on, can't wear it again. Well, that's the thing. It's all about staying away from recognizable pieces. So stay away from things that have big, bold prints and patterns and, you know, things so like you that. you got to be fly and stand out by having little things, but they can't be so... Over the top. Vi- over the top <laughs> over that people... The, right, that people will recognize it. I really like neutrals. Yeah, I really like neutrals. I like black. I like white. I like gray. I think that those, those are very chic colors, navy, that are so neutral that, you know, you're able to mix and match those. You invest in these pieces. You're able to wear it, get a lot of wear out of them, out of them and people don't really notice. Mm. You know, people don't really notice if you really wore a shirt, you know, three times in one week because it's just, you know, it's just a it's a very neutral color. But if you're, you know, going into big, bold prints and patterns and, you know, once you see it, it's a wrap. You can just ball it up, you know. You so, post a picture on Instagram, it's done. It's over. <laughs> it's done. It's over. Yeah. And so, so top accessories are invest in some great shoes. Yeah, great shoes. And, like, great shoes don't have to be, you know – so recognizable they could be just like the straps on a sandal you know really are different and look a certain way but they could still be a pair of black shoes so they're not you know i i kind of say again i stay away from bright bold colors because i feel like they're so recognizable that once people see them it's like those shoes again but if they're black if they're you know brown neutral colors and you know, they can kind of blend in. and. What are the other those. top accessories that are good? I love, you know, for, for women, I think a great, you know, a great bag. A great bag is great. And I, and I personally love, um, you know, I love Chanel because I feel like Chanel is so glad. My, my grandmother had Chanel bags, and I feel like, you know, they just get better with age. You know, I love that. Where And, and, and they're classic, and it's like when you chase these trends, you can only wear them for so long. You know, if you're going after whatever the hot bag is right now, 
you can, you can get that bag, but then next year or next season it's going to be gone, you know? So you spend all this money to be fly for that moment, not to be fly forever. But so when you go, go, go classic brand, but also classic style because a lot of times you see the very seasonal right type of bag exactly don't do that don't do that no go for the classic bag that you has has been around and you can still wear it you could your, your mom could wear it your mom probably had it and you can wear it and your daughters will be able to wear it that's that's my opinion interesting okay yeah. and then so how do you so let's say you do all class all mm-hmm. classic brands mm-hmm. all classic styles mm-hmm. then how do you stand out you stand out because you have to still find like for me what I, I think that part of my style is that I love very interesting shapes. So, like, if I'm wearing a top, it's not just, you know, there's something about the shape of it that has some interest. It's not, it might be a neutral color, but there's there's something about the design of it that looks interesting um, instead of it just being a, you know, button-up shirt. So, I think it's about more about silhouette to, to, to stand out than color or style. I'm pulling up this picture I saw of you. I okay. can't find it. Where you're okay. wearing like this white shirt and these red pants, I believe. Oh, like yes. Big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not even <laughs> in fashion. Yeah. I saw it and I was like. Yeah. So again, like that's what I mean about silhouette. So it's like those pants are so, you know, they're so big and bold, but, you know, but they're still a neutral color. So I can wear them different ways. But because this, the shape of them are so interesting, that's what makes it. That's what gives the outfit some interest. So follow her on Instagram because she's 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 wearing some outfits that will blow your mind, especially <laughs> mine. And that concludes part one of the Kalana Barfield Brown episode of the Series B show, hosted by Brandon Jones. Definitely tune in for part two, where uh, we discuss Kalana's favorite brands, up and coming designers, and her fashion icons. We also discuss a uh, highly popular and controversial article she penned for InStyle Magazine called Pretty for a Dark Skin Girl, which addresses colorism um, in the world. Um, She talks about her celebrity friendships, uh, the hottest look right now, the best brands to buy uh, and be fly on a budget and what's next for her career. So definitely a lot of stuff, good stuff coming up in part two. So definitely uh, tune in.